so Thanksgiving is this week, and it's going to be a a kind of heavy one for our family, for the for my mom's side of the family specifically. Um, one of the features for as long as I can remember of Thanksgiving has been my uncle David sang mass for us originally in Kiki's living room and then up at the uh, Sacred Heart Center up at Notre Dame. And uh, he passed away back in June, um, which I don't know how surprising it was for the siblings. Um, for me, every year, um, my grandparents on on that side of the family have a timeshare down in Mexico. It's like four bedrooms. They rent out the entire thing. And three or four years ago, they basically told me, hey, you're self-employed. You've got free time. If you want to come down with us, you just have to pay for your ticket and your meals and you can stay for free. And this is a very nice resort in Mexico. And so selfishly, I love doing that every single year. And the the reason that I, the excuse I give for doing it is Kiki's and grandpa are getting older. They're in their 80s and you never know when it's going to be the last year. And back in January, they go for two weeks. I was only able to go for six days because I had a work trip. Almost didn't go at all, but thought, you know what? Six days is better than nothing. And Uncle David was down there. And we had a couple of really, really good in-depth conversations, which we'd never had before. He was the life of the party, the most boisterous person in the room, a hundred times out of a hundred. And so I'm always in, in situations like that, a little bit more laid back and more reserved. So we hadn't really had many t- opportunities to talk, but we had two sit downs, one-on-ones for like an hour each, just talking through his experiences with the priesthood, his experiences with this order, things that are going on in our family. And in one of them, he was telling me about this, what I understood to be some sort of blood disorder that he had and how he was going to be having a, a, um, surgery that was coming up in a couple of months and he had seen a commercial for this particular surgery and he was really optimistic. And at one point he said, I'm like, well, how bad is it without the surgery? He's like, oh, well, I'm dying. And when someone says it that way to me, for some reason, it didn't strike me as serious at all. Um, And so I was like, oh, okay, but you're going to have the surgery. You're going to be fine. And he left a day before Kiki's and grandpa and I left Mexico. And so I said goodbye to him in the, uh, at the resort and I gave him a hug goodbye. Like I always would do. And he hugged just a little bit longer and a little bit tighter. And it's, I, 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 in the moment, not retrospectively in the moment, noticed it and was like, Oh, Oh, this is serious this is really serious. Like he, he's doesn't know if this is going to be the last time he's going to get to say goodbye. Um, and so I, I, as I'm want to do, banish the thought from my head, didn't want to think about it too much. Mm. And then, you know, I'm part of the, the group chat with all of the siblings on that side. Um, may or whatever it is, April or may rolls around and he has the initial, um, the initial surgery and comes through the surgery and he's still texting in the group. And then, uh, some point a couple of weeks after that um we get a text to that group that that he's uh he's going downhill fast and we need to pray right now and uh i had this immediate thought that 
you know, the, the prayer's not going to matter. It's over. It's done. But I didn't want to be the one who didn't pray and then be responsible for uh, <laughs> for anything. So I like went into my room and I like prayed two chaplets back to back and we got texts like, okay, he's, you know, he didn't flatline. He's, he's still fine. He's still fine. And uh, this dragged on for probably about a month. And then I was driving to, um, to a friend's house and I had just pulled into his driveway when I got the text, like, uh, David passed away like 10 minutes ago. It was fast. And I look back and those moments we had in Mexico, um, a trip that I almost didn't go through are like the strongest memories I have of him. And, And to me, it just brings up this, like life is so short, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still young. I'm 28. I'm single. And for me, I feel like I still have most of my life ahead of me, but he was 55, you know, um, if I make it that far, then, uh, then I'm more than halfway. Um, but you, you guys, I, I'm, I'm here in Denver and he, uh, was at a hospital in, uh, Chicago. You guys actually had the opportunity to visit him a couple of times. Um, between when yeah. things got bad and and the end, right? Yeah, it was really tough because of all the COVID measures. Like they wouldn't allow visitors. Um, and uh, fortunately, when because uh, he had the initial splenectomy and removed his spleen, and then they were going to do a bone marrow transplant, which they did. And it was during that time that it was just really challenging because if without his um, with with the with the bone marrow transplant, they had to knock out his um, his current blow, blow, uh, bone marrow, and so he was really susceptible to infection. So he had gotten an infection, but then had gotten over it. And we thought, okay, things are okay. And then when he got another infection, that's when things went downhill uh, quickly. And so um, the day that he had that that infection hit, um, that. Uh, he uh he knew that it could be bad and so he he turned to his brother and he said you know we have a lot to offer up here um what should we offer this up for and um and so they talked about it and they talked about different uh things in the family that that we need to pray for uh, he also offered it up. He was an order priest. He offered it up for his order. There were things in his order that that really needed prayer, and um, and he uh, and then his parents showed up, um, and it wasn't long before he like he wasn't making sense, and they realized okay the infection is really impacting him, and he went downhill fast. Um, and they actually uh, at that they thought that they lost him. Uh, when they were texting us and saying he's going downhill fast, um, the the nurses were running around. Uh, and fortunately, my my brother in law was able to be there, and my mother and father in law. Um, uh, but they they felt like that this was going to be it, and um, and it and he was so the infection had just gone systemic um, and had gone throughout his whole whole body um, quick. And, uh, quickly and be- and because of that uh, his brother had said that he kept looking at him because he's like is he already gone is he already gone um, and he he did pull through uh, he which was actually um, 
I, I think miraculous that he didn't die uh, because uh, he, you know, he had, um, yeah, he, the infection had gone throughout his body. So uh, from that moment going forward, um, the uh, after he had survived it, they they said that there couldn't be any any guests that would would come. And finally, my one sister in law said, "Wait a second, this is going on day after day, and he if he's on, you know, this is his last." potentially his last moments if he doesn't make this we need to we need to get over there so she coordinated and talked to the nurses and finally was able to get uh, uh the situation to where every other day we could have two family members go and spend an hour with him and so uh, his parents were able to go back and spend time with him and then each one of his siblings and then it was uh it was our turn and it and as the our turn came up i thought you know like um for, fortunately um Maria, his his uh, my wife and his sister, was able to go up with her sister uh, pretty early on, um, and then he and he since he survived longer, uh, they then the the in laws were able to go, and so Maria and I went back for a second time, and it, it was um, it was very difficult to walk in that room because I. Uh, cause I, you don't always get, you don't always get to know that this is the last time. Um, but I just, I kind of knew this was it. This is the last time I'm going to be with him. And, um, and, you know, I wanted to be hopeful and we were praying like crazy and doing novenas. Uh, as I saw him in that bed, um, uh, you know, walk around the corner and, and Maria just went right into, hi, David, you know, we're here. Um, and, uh, and he started to, uh, um, he wasn't very responsive. He was somewhat responsive. He responded almost right away where we could see his eyes fluttering and it seemed like he knew we were there. Um, and uh, uh, she talked to him. I just couldn't talk um, because there were two things going on. One is like, this is my, this is my brother-in-law and I love him and it's hard to see him. Uh, and just picture this, like we're on, we're in Chicago at the hospital. We're probably up about eight floors. You know, there's, you look out the window, there's a beautiful view of Chicago lands, uh, uh, cityscape. And he's, uh, and he is strapped up to probably four or five machines. Uh, he has tubes coming, uh, like he's on a ventilator. So his mouth, there's tape all around and there's, you know, to hold the, uh, the tube in his mouth, um, as well as they, they're doing dialysis with him because uh, he his kidneys had shut down and so they were doing dialysis to keep that all working and so just imagine from a catholic perspective that there's these tubes that are red and white coming out from underneath the side of his body and as i'm looking at him i'm realizing he looks like like who is he he's also a priest um and he and he had offered his suffering for the family and for his order. And I just, I had this sense of here with this, this eighth floor that we're, we're a little bit closer to heaven up here. Um, and it's, and I just, I, there was a sense of sacredness where I felt like the bed was an altar and his body, he was the host upon the altar. Um, and to see those red and white rays, just like, you know, just like the divine mercy image um, and his and to see his his face. And as he was kind of looking upwards, um, I just I had the sense that like we were in the middle middle of a mass um, and he was offering the, the perpetual 
you know, gift of the mass, but it wasn't just, it wasn't now the, the bread, which became the body and, and blood, but like he as priest in the person of Christ was offering his, his own body, which he always did, but this was so real. And so I, I kind of backed up into the corner and I just stared and I prayed and I thought, wow. Um, and so finally I uh, was able to go stand next to him. And I said, I said his name, I said, David, it's Michael. And, uh, and I said, like, you are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Like you, you like you, you're, you're, I said, this is, you're offering the mass right now. And this is like, uh, like it was just, it was so powerful. And he started to like, his eyes started to flutter and he started to respond to me. And I was, I started to cry, um, but he was like, I just got the impression he was like, yes, like this is agony, but like I am here and I am offering every moment uh, of this of this suffering. And I thought, gosh, you know, he, how many masses did he offer over the course of his life? And this one, I said, I said, David, this is the longest mass <laughs> you've ever said. You know, you're like going on 30 days now. Um, and so... The uh, to be present in that moment, like, uh, was and to have him respond so much then when I was uh, speaking to him and I was holding his hands, I thought, How many times have these hands confected the Eucharist? And it's like now I feel like I'm touching, you know, it's one thing to think of Christ, you know, distantly on the cross, but then to have my brother in law and to have him in the flesh suffering right now, it felt like. A, a living mass, a living Calvary, um, and uh, and so for that, like I just I, I just tried to relish that moment and say, okay, this is this is the time that I can be with you, um, hold you, love you, and know that this is probably the last time um, that that I get to be with you in the flesh. Um, and I was grateful. I was grateful that he had, that he was offering that, that suffering because he was clear that he was in a lot of pain. Um, but also I was just, I was needing to relish the moment as well. And when the time came for us to leave, I, uh, I reached over and I touched his foot. You know, I just like, I wanted that flesh to flesh, you know, connection. And, uh, and I, and I just, I offered one more prayer. It's like, Lord, you know, bless him and thank you. And I just kept saying to him, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your life. Thank you for the gift of your priesthood. Um, and when we walked out, Marie and I, um, we just we went around the corner and just held each other and cried because we we kind of knew that this was this was the last time she was going to be with her brother. I was going to be be with him. Um, but the what a tremendous gift that we were able to know the importance of that moment um, and be able to uh, relish it because you don't always get that opportunity. You don't always know that, uh, that this is, this is going to be it. Yeah. And that was, that was what was beautiful about my last moments with him, which were six months before that was that he made the point of making it memorable. Like he, he knew what I hadn't, hadn't picked up on from our, from our conversations about this. And and I think that like it, it reminds me of this is where my film side comes in. It reminds me of of one of my favorite rom coms about time, 
where it, it's about a guy who can go back in time to any moment in his own life and redo it from that moment or redo that movement, go forward in time, but it's only within his own life. And if you haven't seen it, it's rated R, but definitely worth the watch. The moral at the end is he ends up saying that he doesn't go back in time anymore. He tries to live every day as if he had come back specifically to live that day, as if it was the last and most important day of his unrepeatable life. And it, it's, I think that, that, that I posted that to Facebook once and someone said, wow, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> and, and I think there's some truth to that, but I think there's also this truth to realizing that the time we've been given here is really short and mm as cliche it is as it is you you can't take that next day for granted because this is the second uncle i've had pass away both of them from long illnesses both of them we knew it was coming and both of them we had the opportunity to say our goodbyes um but but you don't you don't always get that opportunity you know i and so i think that having that having that opportunity you're right is an abs- is absolutely a blessing but it's also it stands as a clear in a, in another way is a clear like warning sign of like no you're not always going to get this you know right yeah and i um and i'm reminded of uh when i my own when my grandmother uh passed she had been uh she had been uh sick and i would get messages from my parents and this is years ago that she wasn't doing well and then she would like miraculously come out of it and she was doing better and so I was like, okay, great. She's doing, doing better. And then she'd be sick and it seemed like she was going to pass again. And then she would come through it again. And so then it started to be a joke. Like she was like Lazarus, like she was always coming through. And so we went out to visit, uh, and we were at the time we were living in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we flew out to Fresno, California. And my, my grandmother was going to be there and my grandfather. And so I thought, gosh, uh, both my grandparents were there on both sides. And I, um, and I thought, okay, this is my this is my opportunity. And I thought, you know, I, I need to make sure to say, you know, to spend time with her. So I spent extra time with her. And she was doing pretty well. And she was feisty. And it was fun to be with her. Um, and so, uh, and, I, and I remember, um, you know, as that time ended, I just, I made sure to, you know, to get in that, that hug and just to know. And it was, it was the, um, it was the, the last time that I saw her. And, uh, a couple of weeks later, you know, I, I found out that she was going downhill again. And then I got the call. It's like, you know, your grandmother passed and, uh, and I said, okay. And I was like, gosh, you know, like this has been a long illness. And, and my mom said, oh no, 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 not your dad's mom, my mom. And I was like, what? Um, it, it my other grandmother had passed away. The one who had Lazarus <laughs> was still alive. Um, and it and it was like, what? Um, and my other grandmother had been there when we went out to visit. Um, and I hadn't spent much time with her because I was trying to get in the time with my grandmother who I thought was going to pass. Um, and so I thought back, it was like, gosh, what was our conversation like? And I just, uh, and I, and I remembered that when she left, so my grandmother who did end up passing, um, uh, like she wasn't feeling too well. And I just remember, uh, and she, and we went out to the car and I said goodbye and I could just tell she was cranky. So like, she wasn't, uh, doing well. And, and it just ended up a f- again, a few weeks later that she, uh, we didn't know that she was sick or anything. She had a heart attack and she was gone. She was just gone. And what struck me and all that, I thought, wow, 
Um, like I need to not presume that I know how things are going to end up. My other grandmother did. Um, it wasn't long after she was in and out and then eventually she did pass. Um, and it was the last time that I had seen her, uh, when I had said goodbye, but the lesson in that for me was to be, uh, to, to be more, uh, to realize that like, I need to be grateful for today. I need to be grateful for, you know, for, for my kids, for my wife, for what I do have. And, um, and it's easy to get lulled into thinking, oh, things are going to be fine. They're going to be like this forever. Um, and I, a doctor friend said, everything's fine until it's not fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Like it's seems like we're going to be good and we're going to be fine. Um, but as we're coming into to Thanksgiving to realize like, gosh, um, there's like, I want to be, um, I, I, I want to be very, um, decided and intentional about, uh, being grateful this year because, and, uh, and looking for the good and, and that it's sad that we don't have uncle David with us. We don't have, he would, he, he would have, he would say mass and we would have a family mass, which was so awesome. Um, and it's going to be hard to not have him, you know, do that for us. And what, what a tremendous gift that we had in the first place. Um, but then, you know, to realize that, that, you know, and I don't know, I guess it is exhausting to think, you know, how am I going to be present to all of the nieces and nephews and to my children and to everyone. Um, and I, uh, there was a dad years ago, um, who had said, and I just loved his advice. He's like, you know, when you have a large family, it can be tough. You know, like, how do you, how do you love all the different ones that, that need the love? And, uh, uh, and he said, you know, what you do is you love the one you're with. And I thought, okay, I, I can do that. I get overwhelmed when I think of all the, you know, all the relationships and, uh, that, that, that any of us are trying to manage, but then to say, no, I can, I can love here and I can love now, um, with, you know, what's within my, my purview and that, you know, and trust that God will work through that. It's funny that you say that because I for sure one, if not both of the hour long conversations I had with uncle David happened because Kiki's and grandpa had to like run to the shop to go get something. And so we were just like stuck in the same room, just the two of us and God knew what he was doing. You know, there's a, you know, I was open to it. I didn't praise God left my phone in the other room and I wasn't on my phone, you know, trying to while away the minutes. Instead, I was present to the person in front of me and God, God took care of that. And, 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 and that's, I think where, where the balance between it sounding exhausting to try to be present every single moment and giving up on that entirely is, is that we have a God who is omniscient, who, who knows and loves us and who is giving us the, the grace of the present moment in every moment. And if we trust that, then we know that, you know what, maybe this conversation that could feel like a waste of time or could feel like not the one that you wanted to have, maybe it's one that that's going to matter later, or maybe it's one that you're going to forget about, but is going to matter to the other person later. You know, right. we talked about in, a, in another episode, the, uh, the blog post that, that Madeline wrote about experiences we had that I'd long forgotten. Those, those things, they mattered to her. And I think that the holidays in general, Thanksgiving especially, are a great time to kind of reflect on, on what is 
what are the dynamics that we are choosing to enact within our family? Are we, are we really being present when it's time to be, to be present? You know, are, are we living out the responsibility of the present moment when it comes to our family? Yeah. And I, and I think it's really fascinating when God tells us his name, it's I am. And so it's like present here, <laughs> like I am present. I am here. And so I think, you know, like that's what union with God is, is being present uh, to God, with God and to other people. And that was one of the things that was said of Mother Teresa that was just uh, stunning about her is that when people met her, that she would look into your eyes, she would listen to you and pay attention and ask, how was your flight? You know, how are you doing? Do you need someone? She was present. And I think that is such, uh, and, and, and she's, she's, canonized as a saint um, and it's such a little thing but such an important thing that i need to continue to work on being present to the people around me because it's uh because this is it i'd always say like okay there's some great thing is going to happen in the future that'll be it or that'll be it and marie and i at some point said you know no i, I think this is it <laughs> that it that we're looking for we're living it and we need to realize this is it. Be present here. Be present with God who is I am and I need to be am in the moment. There's a moment in the office when Andy Bernard, who has left Dunder Mifflin, he's left the office and he's worth another company and he doesn't like it. Uh, he's, he turns to the camera and says, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before the good old days pass. And the answer is you are in the good old days. These are the good old days, you know, because these are the only days that you can control. You know, these are the only days right, you have right. any influence over. So yeah, this Thanksgiving, put the phone down, be, uh, be present in the good old days because these are the moments you're gonna remember. That's all we have time for today. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please subscribe leave a five-star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same. If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless.